hope everyone, all of you, had a happy 4th of July. Friends, family, food, beverages, red, white, and blue, fireworks. Nothing more American than that. Happy belated 4th of July from me, Brandon Lachance, and Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I just said my name. I'm your host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Brandon Lachance. Don't know where you listen to this episode, but you can check out every single episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the website www.rss.com backslash podcasts. That's with an S. It is plural. Backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Socials, you know we're there. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Feel free to check out my personals. That's Brandon Lachance, L.A. Chance, on Facebook, and then Twitter, Lachance, L.A. Chance, Writer, at Lachance Writer. On all of those, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, please like, review, five star, a million star, comment, all those cool things. We really appreciate it. It helps us in the rankings, helps share the spotlight that we're trying to shine on Illinois and all the amazing things that our guests are doing. If you have any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest, you like or dislike something I or a guest said, or you want to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we got to thank Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions, for the creation of the intro and outro beat. Today is Thursday, June 6th, episode 275, and we have a special one here. Let's get it straight. All of our episodes are special in our eyes, but this one is different. There's not really any sports with our guest. Of course, there's going to be an intro and I'm going to talk about sports, but our guest, not a lot of sports talk, but a grown man meeting his mother and sisters, his family for the first time at age 55. Eric Soderholm has lived in the States, Illinois, LaSalle, Peru, his entire life. But his biological mother was only in the States for a short time. While she was here, she had Eric and then put him up for adoption before leaving back across the pond. So we had to have Eric Soderholm come join us to tell a story he sent me a message, said, hey, I got maybe a good story you might want to hear. And we started talking about it through messaging. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got to talk. So we had him talk. And actually, currently, right now, his family is in the Illinois Valley visiting him and his family as we speak. So perfect time to get this out and hear the fantastic story of Eric Soderholm and his family. Because, man, fantastic is an understatement. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account, pay off a high interest credit card, or take the vacation you've always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, 
But have no worries. You can apply for one of those online too. Check out FSB Premier's account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a newer existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Solder Home's amazing story will be told. We're going to chat about a few things first with Mix and Match, where we take a bunch of different topics, put them in a hat, pick them. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. We don't have a hat. Just going through some things I wanted to talk about, kind of current events-like-ish. First, America has been in London a lot. The Cubs and Cardinals had a London series. The WWE was in London with their pay-per-view Money in the Bank. The NFL seems like every single year there's more and more games over there. I kind of like it. World expansion, we are seeing so many cultures, so many different kinds of people not really become one, but starting to understand each other. Yeah, we're going through this stuff with races and things like that, but I feel on some end, some way, it's kind of strengthening ties and kind of putting us together a little bit as we're starting to understand each other and things like that nature. If we're really looking at it as a whole, trying to move forward positively, that's a goal for all of us, hopefully. Although the news, current events, shows differently, I mean, we're only going to move forward positively if we try to take a positive aspect of that. So for us to go to London, have people, fans, support our sports, support American organizations, NFL, NBA, MLB, that's huge and it's really cool to see. The NHL National Hockey League draft was June 28th. Chicago Blackhawks got the first pick and took who everybody thought they would, the center Connor Bedard. He was number one on everybody's draft board, and he doesn't turn 18 until July 17th. He's 5 foot, 10 inches tall, 185 pounds. He had 140 points in WHL Western Hockey League with his team, the Regina Pats. He's the first player to score 140 points in 27 seasons. Craziness. He had a 35 game point streak, 44 goals and 46 assists from September 24th to February 1st. He helped Canada win an IIHF World Junior Championship. He had 23 points, 9 goals and 14 assists in 7 games to be named the MVP. For the Chicago Blackhawks, this is huge. You just traded Patrick Kane. Jonathan Taze just retired. You need a new beginning? Oh yeah, hey, let's get the number one pick and draft a not-yet-18-year-old phenom. As a Blackhawks fan, as a Chicago sports fan, I'm extremely happy. The Blackhawks have also made some other trades right before the second round of the draft. They make a deal with the New York Islanders as the Blackhawks acquire Josh Bailey, a veteran forward, and a 2026 second-round pick for future draft consideration. So you get a veteran and a second-round pick in a couple years for future considerations. I'm sure they'll hash out a good deal. But it's good. Blackhawks are moving forward, realizing they're sort of kind of in a rebuild. Okay, this is a rebuild. And trying to get as many pieces together as possible, as quick as possible, which is what a sports organization should be doing. The Blackhawks also had a deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the 2024 seventh round pick for negotiating rights to free agent 
Corey Perry. Then signed him to a one-year, $4 million deal. Adding depth, adding players that can play. Before the draft, with the Boston Bruins, the Blackhawks received Taylor Hall and Nick Felingio and gave away Ian Mitchell and the rights, negotiating rights, to Alec Raguglia. So still bringing in decent players, players that are going to play and do some good things for the Blackhawks. I'm impressed so far, and hopefully we can put together a squad in a couple years to make us maybe not championship Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, that would be amazing, but to make us watchable, entertaining hockey once again. Surf Internet's fast fiber internet is more reliable and 25 times faster than cable. Unlike other local providers, we're proud to provide transparent, all-in pricing that includes equipment fees and taxes. With speed packages starting at $35 a month, you'll get a free modem, free expert installation, and free whole home Wi-Fi on most plans. Plus, no contracts and no data caps at a price that's locked in for life. Go to surfinternet.com to learn more or call 844-955-SURF for details. That's 844-955-SURF. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. The NBA offseason is pretty much its own television show. So much going on, action-packed, kind of cool to be paying attention. We'll start with the Bulls. They waived Tristan Thompson. I knew he was going to try to go to a contender. Los Angeles Lakers, Denver Nuggets, Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers, one of those teams where he thought he'd have a chance. He goes to the Los Angeles Lakers, links back up with LeBron James as they were former teammates with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Good move from Tristan. I mean, he's at the end of his career. He's just a big body that gets in the way. Doesn't really stop or control the paint, but he puts a hesitation. He makes a help defender come over, things like that. And he's a smart player. He knows what he's doing, but he's getting a little older. Smart move. Go to Lakers. See if you can leave out with a championship. In the draft, the Bulls traded for Julian Phillips. He was a second-round pick by Washington Wizards. The Bulls did not have any picks in this draft. Traded to receive the University of Tennessee. He would have been a sophomore. He played one year at Tennessee, and then they grabbed him. Small forward, and I've been reading stuff, and the Bulls are very, very happy with him. Said he's improving his game every day. That's awesome. I mean, when you come out of University of Tennessee, that's not a slouch program. The dude knows how to play basketball, obviously. Bulls saw something in them that they could use, that they could work with. I'm glad they picked him up. Nikola Vucevic re-signs three years, $60 million. I have seen all kinds of comments both ways. Hey, it's a good deal. He's a valuable center, only 20 mil a year. I've seen the other side. Oh, this is an awful deal. He played at a mid-level, should be a 14 mil max. The dude is still a... A really, really good center. Top 10. He's an offensive threat anywhere on the court. He does grab rebounds when he wants to. Unfortunately, it's when he wants to. It's not every game that he's going to get you a double-double, but he does get double-doubles. His defense is kind of lax here and there, but match a center that the Bulls could have brought in that is better. There, There really isn't one. He adds so much to the offense, and he's a veteran. He's a vet that knows the game, And especially with European players, foreign players, he can help bridge that gap for him. 
I think he's a great asset, and I'm kind of glad that the Bulls kept him. Obviously, you know, you want superstar players, but with the new CBA and the way that things are happening, you want to build your team with the draft, not buying crazy expensive players, and I'm hoping the Chicago Bulls see that, and that's what they're trying to do. 20 mil for three years, so 60 mil, that is a kind of cheap contract if you ask me. Look at what everybody else is making. 20 mil isn't anything. They re-signed Kobe White. Kobe White improved so much from the year before to this past season, it was crazy. He would kind of disappear like he's been known to do in between games, like he'll have a crazy 30-point game, and then he falls off and has eight. Then he comes back two games later, has 27. If he can just find some more consistency, the dude is a stud. He plays okay defense and can shoot from anywhere. The Bulls need him. They signed free agents Javon Carter and Torrey Craig. I have been a huge fan of Torrey Craig last couple years with the Phoenix Suns. Just say, come in and get it done, like a 3 and D guy. And he never backs up. Like, you put him in, you're not losing much from the guy that he replaced. I mean, let's face it, he's not Kevin Durant. But a really, really, really good backup to have come in, and there won't be that dramatic drop-off when he comes and he's a part of the second team for the Chicago Bulls. Javon Carter, a really good guard that's only getting better. The rest of the league, Damian Lillard finally requests a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. It was time. I mean, they're not building around him. He's getting older. He's been in the league 10 years. He wants to win, and they're not doing that with him in Portland because they're not putting valuable pieces around him. The best player that he's played with has probably been C.J. McCollum. You put C.J. on a, a good team, he's a fourth, fifth option. He needs to go somewhere with people that can play. The big talk is Miami. That would be amazing. Jimmy Butler, Bam Amadio, Dame Lillard, whew, that's a big three. James Harden doing what James Harden does, putting teams in a bad place. He's got this monster contract with the Philadelphia 76ers, and now there's talk that he wants to leave. If the Sixers don't try to sign him, they could possibly lose Embiid because they need another player to go with him that's going to keep him there. But if they go with him or go towards Harden, offer him big money, and then he leaves and goes to Houston, they still have to pay him some money or have to do something to help their team improve. So they're in a what do we do what's going to happen if we do kind of situation because James Harden finds a way to put the clamps on a team, choke them to death, and pretty much rebuild, restart an entire team because he wants to leave. And he leaves a team just about every single season. I used to love James Harden when he was with Oklahoma City and with Houston. He was one of my favorite players. But he never grew past that. Actually, I think he declined, not just skill-wise, but the way he played the game, the way he looks at the game. It's been all about him and all about contracts. Those are not my favorite players. Draymond Green stays with the Warriors. Ugh, is all I got to say. I mean, he was going to stay in the league. He's not retiring. As long as he's not a bull, Draymond Green is my least favorite player in the organization, in the association, NBA. Just not my dude. I did like him at Michigan State, but he's just a weak man's Walmart version of Dennis Rodman with a little bit better offense. Just tries to get people riled up. And in fact, is this so irritating, I just can't stand watching him play. But he is going to go to the Hall of Fame. 
He does help teams win, and he's going to stay in the league as long as his body allows him to. Harrison Barnes re-signs with the Sacramento Kings. Good move. Player for a reasonable contract that gets stats. I mean, that's what he does. The Heat sign Josh Richardson, who I believe was already a member of the Miami Heat in the past. I like him. I think he's a good role player. And Thomas Bryant, a center that causes issues for teams on both the offense and defense. I think he's a good spot for the Heat. Whether he plays alongside Bam Embadio, I think he's going to come off the bench. That's a great dude to have come off the bench, eat some chunk of minutes, get some fouls on the other team's big guys. That's what you want. Hornets re-sign Miles Bridges. Oh, you got to. Grizzlies sign Derrick Rose. I hate that Derrick Rose is bouncing around the entire league as he, you know, gets up there in years and, you know, moving to organization to organization. But he brings veteran leadership and to a guy like Ja Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies star who is suspended for 25 games for two, not one, but two photos, videos of him with a gun. Stupid, if you ask me, and I think he's starting to realize that's stupid. But now he's got a guy that comes from a bad neighborhood in Chicago who went through some of these things, who played similar to how John Morant played before some crazy knee injuries. I think Derrick Rose is going to be able to reason with him, talk with him, and maybe get John Morant to be that leader, that awesome player that he can be and help Memphis Grizzlies get to an NBA championship. They got a squad. Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of my favorite players in the league. And they got other pieces to go around them. They have a squad do something with it. The Magic Wave Bowl Bowl, you can be crazy tall and block a couple shots a game, but that's not going to keep you on teams and maybe not even keep you in the league. Hopefully, he's picked up, does something. But just saying, just because you're tall and athletic, everybody's tall and athletic in the NBA. Monta Morris traded from the Washington Wizards to the Detroit Pistons. Pistons making some moves. And have a young core. If they can just get a couple of vets, they don't even need a superstar. I mean, superstars help. But if they can get these guys to stay and just gel, they're going to be okay. I'm not saying win a championship. They would need a superstar to do that. But the talent that they're putting together on the Detroit Pistons, they're going to do something. Three-team deal. Spurs get Seti Osman from the Cavaliers. The Heat get draft considerations from the Spurs and the Cavaliers, and the Cavs receive Max Struess. Cavs, the winners of this three-team deal, I mean, depending on what the draft considerations are that the Heat receive, but the Cavs get a three-point specialist, help spread out the floor, and give options to Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. That backcourt is fantastic. Put some pieces around it. That's what they're trying to do. And again, I was really, 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 really surprised of what they were able to do. Now they just put some pieces around that backcourt, get a couple inside scores, some defense around them in the wings, and Cavaliers are going to be something (laughs) that you don't want to play with either. Jordan Poole traded from the Warriors to the Wizards for Chris Paul. In about a five-day span, Chris Paul was traded twice and landing with the Golden State Warriors, I guess they'll be the San Francisco Warriors coming into the season as they have moved from Oakland to San Francisco. Chris Paul with the Warriors, I don't see how that's going to work. Chris Paul is a slow, methodical player where the Warriors just run all day, just run. So I don't know how that's going to transition well. Jordan Poole, I mean, he's got skills, got talent, 
There was the thing with him and Draymond Green last summer where Draymond Green rocked him. There obviously wasn't good vibes there, even though they can say, like, hey, Draymond apologized, said he was wrong, da 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 As a grown man, you don't forget these things, and there was issues there. Jordan Poole kind of disappeared in the playoffs, had a great regular season, and then the playoffs came, and he was ghost. So maybe a different scenery, different vibe, and the Wizards will rely on him in a way that the Warriors did not. Victor Oladipo traded from the Heat to the Thunder. I think Victor's kind of washed up now. He was a great player, had a couple injuries, and now he's just kind of moving around team to team, continuously getting hurt and not being the player that we thought he was. Joe Harris traded to the Detroit Pistons from the Brooklyn Nets. This is another one of those pieces that I was talking about before. The Pistons are putting together talented players. Joe Harris, a sharpshooter, is a gift to any team. Lakers signed Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is crazy athletic but he just can't stay healthy. If he can stay on the basketball court, he's going to make some noise with the Lakers and add that depth that they did not have this year until they made trades toward the end of the season. But Cam Reddish, stay healthy. Whew, he's going to be a problem. Pelicans re-sign Herbert Jones and then sign Cody Zeller, adding to their big man depth. Herbert Jones had a couple games last year like, man, who is this dude? This dude is really good. As he grows into a player, He could be something really special. Cody Zeller, an old man vet, putting in great minutes. He played in the finals with the Miami Heat. Knows what he's doing. LaMelo Ball re-signs with the Charlotte Hornets. If the Hornets let this guy go, it wasn't Michael Jordan. It's just Charlotte. There's got to be something in the water. But they kept him, re-signing him. LaMelo Ball is amazing. Lakers re-sign Rui Hashimura. And then they sign Tareem Prince, both great players, Rui showing what he could do in the postseason. Keep that guy tall, lengthy, athletic, plays defense, helps in offense, runs a fast break. It was awesome. The Lakers also re-signed Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves was the X factor for the Lakers in the postseason. Dude came out of nowhere, undrafted, just played great, great basketball. They had to keep Austin Reeves. He might be their next superstar. The Milwaukee Bucks re-signed Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton signed Malik Beasley. Good moves. Brooke Lopez still got something in the tank. Great defensive player. Chris Middleton, if he can stay healthy, great shooter, great basketball IQ. Malik Beasley adds a lot every aspect of the game of basketball. Hopefully, they can put the pieces together to make another championship run. They're kind of just like putting pieces together around Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. But if they don't make a big push this season coming up, They're going to have to either make some trades or make some big noise to resettle this lineup into a definite contender. Phoenix Sun signed Eric Gordon, great role player, great vet to have on a team. He's kind of bounced around a little bit, still a sharpshooter. He's going to be around as long as he wants to because he can shoot the ball. Add some offense, add some depth to a team that may not have a lot of offense or depth after their big players, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker. Lakers weren't done there as they signed Gabe Vincent, was in the finals with the Miami Heat, showed what he could do, can shoot the three, great guard defender. He's going to be a big piece of any success that the Lakers have. Tyrese Halliburton re-signs with the Indiana Pacers. No doubt. That was a no doubt lock. If you don't do that, you're stupid. Kevin Love re-signs with the Miami Heat. A guy that's not going to go away either. He knows where the ball's going for a rebound and he can shoot. 
He's going to be around until he doesn't want to be around anymore, staying with the Heat because they can make a strong, strong push for an NBA championship, especially if they get Dame Lillard. Cavs re-signed Karis LeVert. Again, Cavs got talent. LeVert is a stud if he can stay healthy as well. Nets re-signed Cam Johnson. I'm really interested to see what Cam and Mikel Bridges do with the Brooklyn Nets. This is their time to shine. They were role players with the Phoenix Suns. Now they're put in lead roles with the Brooklyn Nets. Let's see some things happen. The Pacers signed Bruce Brown. Man, since this has happened, there's been nothing but talks about how the Denver Nuggets are not going to be as good as they were last year and that they're not a championship contender anymore. That is craziness. Bruce Brown was the fifth or sixth best player on the Denver Nuggets. Did he show out in the playoffs? Yeah, that's what you want your role players to do. Can they find somebody else that can do things that he can do? Yes, they can. And does he make the Pacers a championship contender? No, he does not. Still got to have a Tyrese Halliburton and some other stars, better players around him to make that happen. I think he's good, but I don't think he has much of a ceiling other than what we already saw. That is the off-season traffic so far. But I saw this. I got a notification. The number one draft pick of this year's draft, Victor Wembignana, says that Britney Spears, pop star of the 90s, 2000s, and then if you don't know her story, go Wikipedia. But supposedly, she grabbed him from the behind. So grabbed him from the behind, I'm guessing touched him in his butt or something like that. I don't know. Just grabbed him from behind. So that's what I automatically think. And the star, the pop star, says, no, I did not. She's denying all claims. Just a really interesting notification. I think it was on lunch break. I took a break from writing a story and I look and I'm like, what is this? Very interesting. Not even in the NBA yet. And he supposedly has pop stars touching his butt. Hmm. Believe it or not, the sunny, beautiful weather is here. This means you'll want your lawn looking just as good as the sun rays feel. Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping is the definition of lawn beautification. The company offers tree removal, lawn care, stump grinding, and spring and fall cleanup to residential and commercial customers. Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping is fully insured and offers a senior citizen discount. Call 815-878-7504 for a free estimate from Arteaga Tree Service and Landscaping. And I don't know about you, but after I'm working on the yard or even watching someone else do the outdoor manicuring, I get hungry. Coming soon to Little Joe's Gaming Cafe is a kitchen serving a variety of good eats. Go to Little Joe's located at 713 Illinois Ave in Mendota or call 815-538-4900 for more information. The MLB All-Star Game is Tuesday, July 11th. Before I list the rosters, whichever team has Shohei Itani is my pick. So in other words... American League is going to win. This dude is doing stuff that has never been seen before. He is amazing. I know they keep comparing him to Babe Ruth because the pitching and hitting aspect. But Otani is an everyday pitcher, an everyday batter. Babe Ruth did not do it at the same time. He was a great pitcher and then became a great batter, but did not do it at the same time. Not 
saying anything bad about Babe Ruth. He is the Sultan of Swat. He is the man, the great Bambino for sure. Otani in 2023 is crushing it on every level of crushing it. He's that dynamic generational talent. He is awesome to watch. Also on the American League, catcher Jonah Heem from the Rangers. First baseman Yandy Diaz from the Rays. Second baseman Marcus Simeon from the Rangers. Shortstop Corey Seager from the Rangers. Third baseman Josh Junge. I think it's Young. Josh Young from the Rangers. That's four Rangers in the infield. Just saying. The outfielders Mike Trout from the Angels. Aaron Judge from the Yankees. Randy Arizarina from the Rays. National League designated hitter is J.D. Martinez from the Dodgers. Catcher Sean Murphy from the Braves. First baseman Freddie Freeman from the Dodgers. Second baseman Luis Arias from the Marlins. Shortstop Orlando Arcia from the Braves. Third baseman Nolan Ariando from the Cardinals. The outfielders are Corbin Carroll from the Diamondbacks. Mookie Betts from the Dodgers. Ronald Okuna Jr. from the Braves. I mean, each team is loaded with talent. It's an all-star game. That's the way it goes. But Otani, again, he's that X factor. But Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Corey Seager, all these guys, great players. I'm going AO. While we're talking about baseball, I know you had a a great 4th of July, 4th of July weekend, maybe even celebrated the next day. But hopefully you had a great Bobby Bonilla day too. Why is July 1st the Bobby Bonilla day? Because he's still getting paid $1.19 million by the Mets every year from 2011 to 2035. He's still got 11 years, 12 years, of getting paid $1.19 million by the Mets. He's 59 years old right now. The reason that he's getting this money, the Mets bought out Bobby's contract in 2000. $5.9 million. But not only did they buy out his contract for that, for the 5.9, but they agreed to pay him an annual for 25 years, starting July 1st of 2011, which included an 8% interest rate. Just off that, he is going to be getting paid over a million dollars until he is 72 years old. But also, there was an agreement for 25-year payment of 500000 from the Baltimore Orioles that started it in 2004. So 2004, so he gets that until 2029. He deserves a day. Bobby Bonilla day? Yeah, it's for real. It should be a thing. Greatest contract in sports history. Does your driver need a new grip? Seven iron need a new head? Putter need to be replaced? Want to play a simulator during rainy, cold days? Sports Boss Golf is your one-stop shop For everything golf, located at 2950 Kane Road in Leland, Sports Boss has over 10,000 used clubs and new clubs for sale. Owner Mark Wright rebuilds, repairs, replenishes the value of every club in his own shop. Want a Callaway? Sports Boss has it. A Betonardi, Bridgestone, Cleveland, Cobra, Exotics, Crank, Mizuno, Odyssey, Puma, Srixon, TaylorMade, TorEdge, Wilson, Yeah, all of those. Sports Boss has a partnership with each and every one of those top brands. Check out Sports Boss Golf Shop on Facebook or call Sports Boss Golf at 815-326-9686 
or send an email to sportsboss777 at gmail.com to book simulator time, inquire about repairing or purchasing clubs, and any other of your golf needs. Let's take Mix and Match to the wrestling ring. June 28th was the 25th anniversary of the 1998 King of the Ring. Not the whole pay-per-view. No, no, no. Undertaker vs. Mankind in a Hell in a Cell match. If you have not seen that, I don't even care if you don't like wrestling. You think it's fake. Oh, it's not entertaining. This match is nuts. It's crazy. Will never happen again. So make sure you watch it while you can because it's amazing. Also, WWE's Money in the Bank, which I previously mentioned, was July 1st in London. Couple key notes, Shayna Baszler turning on Ronda Rousey. That was fun to watch. Both former UFC fighters, MMA fighters, and they have a long history. That's usually how storylines in the WWE start. There's always that turn your back on somebody and Shayna Baszler, mostly known as a bad guy. I got the air quotes going on in wrestling. She's a destroyer. She looks like a destroyer. Her body shapes a destroyer. Why not have her turn on Ronda Rousey? Only makes sense. And then Ronda Rousey becomes the good guy. And that's how they want her to be. All makes sense. John Cena, strictly marketing at this point. He's an ambassador for the WWE. His wrestling career, he may have some couple more matches, but he is an ambassador. He is a mouthpiece, a face that everybody recognizes that gets WWE money or people involved in stuff that WWE has going on because John Cena is speaking for it. That's what he does. That's where he's at. Seth Rollins beat Finn Balor to keep his belt. I love Seth Rollins. I think he's my favorite wrestler in wrestling right now. I don't know why his singing of the song, of his soundtrack, his entrance theme, everybody's singing it pretty much his entire matches. He's crazy athletically gifted. I don't think he's boring at all. I can watch every single second that this dude's wrestling. Glad he's got a belt. He should keep it for a while. I still think he's one of the top guys in WWE. But the main storyline, of course, is Bloodline. Probably the best storyline that WWE has had since Kane and Undertaker. Honestly, I would say that started after Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. And the Bloodline is not on that level because that's one of the best storylines of all time between Austin and McMahon hating your boss, boss trying to fire the employee, fights back, you know, that kind of deal. That was the greatest storyline that we've seen in a very, 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 very long time. But this Bloodline deal has been amazingly intriguing and entertaining to watch. Every single time I turn on wrestling, I'm waiting to see what happens with this. And watching the Usos win was crazy awesome. First time Roman Reigns has been pinned in three years. Of course, he didn't lose any of his three titles, but he got pinned by his cousins and it was a lot of fun to watch. Now we're kind of going to go into like a sad moment here for just a few, just a few. Deion Sanders had surgery on his foot. There was blood clots in between his toes, things like that. And they were talking about amputation, but he gets the surgery to avoid it. It's avoiding it at the moment. Hopefully it stays that way. I'm going to be praying. Hopefully you're praying. I don't want to see anybody have to have any limbs amputated. Deion Sanders, the coach of the University of Colorado football team, and he finally got to go back to practice after all of these things were happening to him. So hopefully, you know, health picks up and he doesn't have to worry about losing a foot, toes, 
anything to amputation. My least favorite but most important segment of an intro is the RIPs. Man, had a couple lost in the last few weeks, few days. First, Ryan Mallett, NFL quarterback. He was coaching high school, only 35 years old. He was born June 5th, 1988, and passes away June 27th, 2023. He was a Texas high school quarterback, so you know he was the real deal. You are not a quarterback in Texas. Doesn't matter what age if you cannot play the position. So obviously, good player. He goes to both University of Michigan and University of Arkansas in college. Drafted in the third round of the 2011 draft to the New England Patriots with the 74th pick. That meant he was a backup to Tom Brady. Played with the Patriots from 2011 to 13. The Houston Texans from 14 to 15. And then the Baltimore Ravens. 2015 to 17 before he's done playing in the NFL. Then he goes to coaching high school sports and being around his family. Unfortunately, June 27th, him and his family in Destin, Florida, he was swimming with his girlfriend in a rip current or a strong current, pulled him away from a sandbar and he ended up drowning. Very sad prayers with the family, with his girlfriend, everybody involved. 35 years old, I'm 37, so two years younger than me. It's very, very sad. And when I heard it on the news, I I didn't shed a tear, but I was close. Yeah, I mean, you don't ever, ever want to hear about anybody drowning, anybody passing away at 35 years old, and, you know, leaving behind girlfriend and family members and a mom and a dad and things of that nature. So definitely prayers, thoughts with the families. Going back to wrestling, Darren Drozdoff. Born April 7th, 1969, passed away June 30th, 2023, at the age of 54, health conditions. He was a football player for both the NFL and CFL, and then went to the WWE in, I believe, 97. Only lasted a couple years because he was severely injured in 1999. A move went wrong, and he ended up becoming a quadriplegic, paralyzed from pretty much the neck down. A well-documented case. There's been books and stories and all kinds of podcast chats, everything to that nature. Still kind of kept a cool attitude until the last couple of years where health conditions really started to kick in. And then the positive vibes that you always heard about him and stuff like that came more dark and dramatic. And unfortunately, his life was taken June 30th. It was really cool to see The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, Rock, very, very famous in the time that Draws was with the WWE, especially in 1999, Rock is pretty much starting to take over the world, the wrestling world anyway, and wrote a tweet after Draws passed away saying, one of our wrestling brothers, one of the coolest people to be around, always was smiling, always had fun, and a reason that I enjoyed being in the business. So, man, thoughts, prayers, family, everything, really sad to hear that he passed away. RIP to Ryan Mallett, RIP to Darren Drozdoff. Last thing we're going to talk about before we get to Eric Soderholm and his fantastic story, ESPN with another long list of layoffs. Every couple years, it seems they just start fresh. They get rid of a bunch of faces, bring some new ones in. I'm not surprised. I am surprised, however, on some of these names. Jeff Van Gundy, 
Jalen Rose, two NBA aficionados, Jeff Van Gundy and Mike Jackson have been doing games with Mike Breen. Those three guys together were amazing. I hear that Doris Burke is going to be the replacement for Jeff Van Gundy. We'll see how that happens come NBA Finals time. And if that happens, good for her. She is good at what she does. She does know the game of the NBA or basketball in general. So it will be fantastic. Just sad to see Jeff Van Gundy, the coach, who says what he wants to. That is what I loved about him. He was not worried, did not filter himself because of somebody not agreeing with what he had to say. Love it. Loved how he did his job. Very insightful. He brought the coach's mentality with that attitude of, hey, I'm going to say what I think and how I feel about it. And it was really special and really cool. Jalen Rose, just that that personality that's always been Jalen Rose. The long shorts and the black socks when he was at the University of Michigan in the Fab Five. Just had that same demeanor, that swag. I don't really use that word anymore, but he had swag. I know they're both going to get a job somewhere. It's just crazy that they were laid off from ESPN. A couple other ones. Neil Everett, longtime Sports Center guy. He was doing Sports Center with Dan Patrick when I was in high school. Familiar face, really funny guy. I always enjoyed listening to him on Sports Center. Chris Chelios, former Chicago Blackhawk, doing NHL stuff for ESPN, but no longer. Bob Ninkovich. With the NFL broadcast, he was a former New England Patriot and definitely brought a lot to NFL broadcast. Keyshawn Johnson and Max Kellerman, I listen to their show every day with Jay Williams. Every single day. So kind of opened my morning in an unfamiliar and unwanting way. I liked those three. Max Kellerman is a great analyst, can talk about any sport, Always has an opinion that's fresh and a good idea. I know he's going to get a job as well. Hopefully it's in a top tier network and somewhere that we're all readily available to turn on. Which, I mean, you can do with any program during these days. Steve Young, NFL quarterback, Hall of Fame guy. I mean, he always brought X's and O's and a cool attitude to NFL broadcasts. I mean, it's going to be different without him for sure. This one is really surprising. Todd McShay has been doing the NFL draft and the mock boards and all this stuff for seems like 17 decades. No, he's not that old and it's not been that long, but having Todd McShay not at the draft or talking about the draft on ESPN is mind boggling. Matt Hesselbeck, an NFL guy, former quarterback who did a lot of NFL things. And he, another XNO guy that knew formations or knew where they were supposed to be or how they could be thinking and things like that. He wasn't in magical quarterback, but got the job done. And he understood that and brought football terms to layman terms for everybody to understand and be able to relate to, even if you couldn't. Ashley Brewer always did pretty good interviews, always was there to ask a question and didn't care what the question was, ready for an awesome answer. And the last one I'm going to mention, LaFonso Ellis, an NBA guy, played for the Denver Nuggets and just a sideline reporter that came in and brought some additional NBA stuff to an NBA broadcast. And that's why these players get these jobs because they do that. Some of them are better than others. LaFonso Ellis was really, really good. The chat with Eric Soderholm is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated 
to be in community first. A small dealership in a smaller town, the staff general manager, Ski Hartman, and his associate, Jason Hintz, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five years old and has been with Mendota Ford for the last three years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for eight years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.MendotaFord.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. Well, that's the intro. We talked about everything we want to talk about. We're going to be back real soon. Vacations are over, setting down in summer mode, doing stories, radio broadcast, podcast, you know, doing everything we do. Edge of your seat podcast, always a priority. Always love to chat. Always love our guests. And we got a lot of guests on the way. And want you to listen to them, including this one, Eric Soderholm, a fantastic, amazing story to tell. Until next time. Peace. Trying to have some podcasts that aren't just all about sports, even though my guests that I have right now could just talk about sports with me the entire time. Known him for quite a few years, covering his sons. I am talking about Eric Soderholm. His son, Christian, has been on our show oh, at least a good three times, and there's another one in the vault. I don't know which podcast is going to come out first, this one or the next one with Christian, but... Do know the Soderholm family pretty well from a basketball standpoint. Let's get a little closer outside of sports. And that's what you're here for, Eric, right? That's correct. I mean, I kind of just want to jump straight into this, and then I can tell you why I relate when you told me your story and what was going on. So, I mean, what was the crazy significant event that just happened in your life not too long ago? People who knew me didn't, my close friends knew, but a lot of people who didn't know me, I'm adopted. So, you know, my mom and dad, Marty and Ralph Soderholm, I was adopted from the cradle in Evanston, Illinois, more years now than I want to start counting. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm an adopted child. A little over three years ago, I found my biological mother. Well, my wife's kind of, this is, is the one that, that encouraged me to do this. She found, she found a half-brother of hers probably five years ago. And um, after finding him and that reunion with her mom and the fam- and her family, you know, that was pretty cool. So I thought, yeah, okay, well, I had, I don't know how far or how much detail you want me to go into. Years ago, before my oldest, Jens, was born, I, I checked with the cradle to see if they had any information about medical backgrounds because as adopted kids, you don't, you don't know much about your medical histories. I wanted to learn this, so... When I went there, they provided me with a lot more information than I, I was expecting, and not just some medical stuff, but a little background as to how it came to be that I was put up for adoption. And in that information they provided, my biological parents were from Sweden. My biological mother had come here to the States in uh, 63 
didn't realize she was pregnant. No. <laughs> no, it's in, in the time since, I, and this is fine, we've, we've had conversations about all this. But in 1963, a single woman coming from another country here in the United States now all of a sudden realizing she's pregnant. I'm sure that was probably a little of it. If she had had a little fling before she left Sweden, not realizing that, you know, <laughs> that, that there was a stowaway when she came over here, and that was me. In the paperwork I got, it said that she had been sad that she made that choice, but, you know, the thing that got me and all that was the little thing that they had. It said that she, she wanted me to have a two-parent family, and I thought that, you know, that's pretty cool. That, that answers the question that maybe a lot of adopted kids have is, what was the reason? And that was enough for me. I grew up, you know, here in Peru, great parents, a great town to you know, raise your family in. We, we moved to the area in 67. My dad a sales position with a company out of Chicago, a steel company, and that's how we got here. It never was anything burning in me to, you know, like I felt something missing in my life. But I, I did always wonder, for her sake, and especially after reading that, I thought, man, if I was ever to find her, it would be just to let her know that I was okay, you know, that I grew up with a great, no home is perfect, right? Let's just clarify that. But I had a great family, my cousins, aunts, big family combined between my mom and dad, and never was treated any differently. I never looked at my life any differently. So fast forward years later, and Michelle's encouraging me to we do an ancestry test. And I told her, I go, you can do that all day. I said, I don't have any blood relatives here in the United States. We did it anyways, and it sure enough showed that my background was from southern Sweden and southern Norway. And the funny thing about it all is that my dad, Ralph Soderholm, is, is a full-blooded Swede. They always thought that I was, I was part Swedish. I don't know how they knew, but um, to learn that both my biological parents are from Sweden it was kind of cool. And then I carried a Swedish, adopted Swedish name to boot. We did the DNA, we did the ancestry, went nowhere as far as finding anybody here in the States. Funny thing is, it was good and bad things about Facebook, right? Yeah, no doubt. Facebook was pretty integral in this whole process for me. A guy I'd been friends with, or, you know, through whatever conversations, struck up to posts from, from other folks. I learned he was a private investigator, and I asked him about one time. I said, are you really a PI? And he said, yeah. I asked him if he ever did any adoption work. And he said, yeah, I have. And he gave me his phone number, and we actually chatted about it on the phone, and gave me good stories and bad stories, and you know, how they, how they turned out. But he had good advice for me. He said, just don't have any expectations. Just go into it, basically with a blank slate, open mind, and whatever happens, happens. And he told me, he goes, you got enough information. He said, I could do this search on my own. And I did, because I had her age, I had a, you know, she was 24 when she had me here. So that, doing the math, she was born in 1939, blonde hair, blue eye, about 5'6", 5'7". And it had a little bit of her educational background, but the cradle, you know, they couldn't provide names, closed adoptions like that. But in my legal paperwork from the courts, it referred to me as baby boy Svensson. So I, I always thought that's probably her name. You know, it doesn't really say for sure. Maybe they just gave me a name, but we went with that. So he suggested I call the consulate in Chicago and go from there. So I did. I, I called and they, were, they couldn't help me. But they got back to me and told me there's a up in the Andersonville neighborhood in Chicago where the Swedes immigrated to when they came over here. It's in one of the areas, at least in the Chicago area. Um, there's a museum there. It's the Swedish American Museum. It's not like the big museum. It's one of those neighborhood things. It's in the neighborhood. It's really nice. It's, it's, 
It's a nice place. It's got some good history. We have a genealogy department. And uh, so they told me, give them a call. So I called them. And they said, yeah, you know, why don't you talk to our lady in the genealogy? She's in here on Wednesdays and Saturdays. This is this was back in 2019. Christian was getting ready to start his final season in college basketball. And I, I told him, she was like, you know, I'm not going on a weekend because I'm going to be traveling every weekend to watch him play all around the mid, you know, Midwest. And I said, um, I'm going to get to Chicago on a Wednesday. I'm working. And my job does take me out to that area now and again. And lo and behold, it was in November. I had to go in, in the city for a few appointments. I had one more, but it wasn't until late in the day. And I had like two and a half hours to kill. So fast forward to that, I, get, I go into the museum and I, I called ahead and sure enough, this lady was there. And we sat down and I told her, here's, here's my deal. I'm looking for my biological mother. Uh, here's the info I got. Pretty sure she still lives in Sweden. She's like, well, let's go. She starts searching databases. And I'm telling you, in, in, inside of 30 minutes, you know, we narrowed it down. We did some broader searches and narrowed the searches down. But they pretty much can track anybody who's come from Sweden to the United States to travel records, whatever. But I had enough ages in a name. And we narrowed it to 20 people with the last name Svensson. Five of those were women within like 30 minutes. We picked the first name on the list, and the lady's name was Barrett, Margaret Svensson. And we looked through, she was looking for marital records and things, and she found a married name. Um, she had a couple children, and we matched up her education and background, so all this stuff was starting to click. I sat there while she was doing more, so I thought, you know, what's the odds this lady might have a Facebook page? So I looked, I looked it up on Facebook. <laughs> she has a Facebook page. And I'm looking at the picture. Now, keep in mind, all my life, I've never, I've never known anybody that looked like me except until my sons were born, right? That shared any kind of resemblances. And so, one of the funny things I used to do, I still do it. I just had a knack of nice see families together. I picked their features out, and I, I look and see who they look like, and I, it's just a subconscious thing I've always done. Maybe just because I've never had anyone myself, right? And I'm looking at this photo, and I'm trying to be objective. And, I look at it and I show it to Shirley. Jaw drops. And she she looks at the photo. She looks back at me again. She goes, "Oh my gosh, that's you, Eric." <laughs> so that's when the, the ball really started. Um, I sent the picture to my wife, and my wife responds back. And she says, "Well, I think at the time of the photo, she's probably 77, 78 years old." My wife says, "Well, if you're an older lady dressed in drag, that's you." <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Sent it to a couple buddies. Nobody knew I was doing this. And that looks just like you. I mean, it's crazy. This thing starts snowballing fast. My wife starts searching the Facebook page, looking for any connection to anybody here in the states. Now, one of the things I knew that from from the cradle was that she lived with the family as a nanny while she was here. And I used to think, man, if I could find that family, right? And Michelle finds a girl who who lived out on the West Coast, who my biological mother had commented on a post of hers so okay here we're putting you know start putting two and two together michelle reaches out sends her message hey do you know barrett hydralius which is her married name and she says no but she was my mom's nanny and then we said well can we, can we talk to your mom and then the, the conversation just went dark so never replied back i did a little more searching and i found another girl's and i figured out through conversations that these two were related and they were talking about the passing of their grandfather and I look up to her grandmother, who would have been the woman that hired my biological mother to be the nanny. I reach out to the one girl and I said, hey, I think your grandmother 
well, it's with my biological mother. And we're trying to reach out. And she said, yeah, I talked to my dad. And I'll get back to you. No, this is the next morning. This is Thursday morning. And we're not even 24 hours into this. The woman I was looking for had moved, since moved from Lake Forest to the state of Vermont some years ago. And I, I knew this just from Google, <laughs> creeping on her Facebook page, right? And I get a call coming in my phone. 11.30 that morning from Vermont. Well, I know who this is. You know, and I, I asked the phone, and you know, this woman, she says, Eric. And I said, yeah, this is Eric. She said, and the woman's name was Tisha Ellis. She said, this is Tisha. I said, hi, Tisha. And we were talking to each other like we, like we just have been friends forever. And she said, oh, my gosh. She said, I'm shocked. She said, I can't believe it. And I said, so I'm right. And she said, yeah, you're right. She was Barrett's your mother. You know, people ask, how did she know it? It's just, 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 we just knew, you know. And we started talking, and she told me some great, you know, what a wonderful lady, and how much her kids loved her, and, you know, just, and told me some insights about the time when she put me up for adoption. And, and she said the exact same thing. This was the other thing that helped me kind of legitimize, you know, that this is the right person. Because she almost quoted verbatim what the, the, the cradle had said in the papers, that she, had, she was sad, but she wanted me to have the benefit of a two-parent family. Well, this is an awesome thing. Any woman that chooses adoption for their child because they can't, they're not ready to take, do it, be a parent themselves, is the most selfless act any human being can do, in my mind. I think next to sacrificing yourself, you know, for your child to protect them, I think, I mean, that's one of the most selfless acts a human can do for, for their child. I knew in my heart that she probably is from time to time thought about it, you know. Tisha asked me, she said, do you want me to call? And I said, sure. I go, yeah, would you? And so a few hours later, she got back to me and she, she texted me and she said, I don't have a good number for her anymore. She goes, you know, I don't know if I have anything else. And I said, no, I'll call on Saturday. Maybe the, the, the museum can help me out. But then I sat there for a minute. And so now we're at about 2 o'clock, 2.15 in the afternoon. And, and I said, wait a minute, I have Google. I have her address. I've got all this information. So I started Googling, and I found a site that popped up with three phone numbers associated with her. And I said, okay. So I dialed, well, first I screenshot it. I said, oh, is this the number? She said, yeah. I go, okay, well, Tisha's an elderly woman in the mid-80s. And I thought, well, maybe she dialed one. Dialed the first number, bad number. So here I am sitting in my office, not thinking this through at all. And I dialed the second number. And it starts to ring, and my phone says Sweden uh, on the screen. And I'm like, okay, now what are you going to do, Eric? <laughs> this phone's ringing. And a woman picks up the phone in, in a Swedish accent. You know, she says, hello. And I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm just like that, stammering. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to say. My heart is probably racing off the charts. And I'm sweating. <laughs> and I just said to her, I said, oh, hi, yeah, um, I'm coming from America. <laughs> That's the first thing out of my mouth. I don't know, I don't know what else to say. And she's like, well, yeah, okay, what do you want? You know, I immediately am looking for a lifeline in my mind, and I just I blurred out Tisha Ellis' name. I asked, do you know Tisha? And she says, yes, I know Tisha. And well, she was trying to call you. I said, she was okay. Well, later I learned that Barrett had, early in the year, kind of been scammed by, by somebody, a, a money scam uh, over the phone. 
And she's a kind woman. She's a giving and generous lady. And so she's kind of, well, now, and she's also a smart woman. First, I'm going to get fooled once. I'm not being fooled again. And she starts to grill me, asking me all these questions. She said, well, how do you know T.C. Ellis? And I said, well, um, I said, we're friends. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to ease into this thing. It's, it's, you know, at the time of 56, we're going to be 56 years old. And so I'm taking all this in consideration that here I am, better than half a century later, popping into this woman's life, right? And so I'm trying to be sensitive about it, and I'm not sure how it's going to be received. And she asked me, where does Tisha live? I said, she lives in Vermont. She said, well, where she used to live? I said, she lived in the Lake Forest. Does she have children? Yeah. And I, knew, I could answer all the questions that I wanted to have the conversations to. I, I'd already looked some of this up to Facebook. So then we get past the, 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 the Swedish Inquisition. And she says, okay, well, where are you from? And I said, well, I live in Illinois. And, and a little background, I was born in Chicago. The hospital doesn't exist there anymore, but that's where I was born. So she says, okay. I said, well, she says, where do you live? The city. And I said, well, I'm about two hours outside of Chicago. And I knew in my mind, the minute I said Chicago, it's probably going to start to trigger some things. And she, she did pause, and she says, okay, so why have you called? <laughs> and in a sweet voice, in a very sweet, you know, Swedish, 80-year-old woman voice, and she said, I said, well, and it was my turn. I started asking my own questions. I said, did you live with the man? The Ellis is as their nanny when you were here in the United States. She said, yes. Yes, I did. I said, okay. I said, well, um, are you familiar with the cradle? And she said, yeah, I'm familiar with the cradle. And I said, okay, well, when you were here in the United States, did you give a child up for adoption to the cradle? She said, yes, I did. And I said, okay, well, I said, my name is Eric Soderholm. I was born December 16th, 1963. And I believe that I'm her child. And she said, yes, you are. Wow. Yeah. It still gets me to the day. Because it, it happened so fast. This is 24 hours. You know, within 24 hours of finding her a name and talking to a couple people, a few Facebook messages, and here I am on the phone talking to the, the woman that gave me my life. It's funny because my, my, my mom passed away in 2000. She was young. She was 66. My dad's still alive. Yeah, my dad is, in fact, you know, my parents were always great about it. You know, some parents have hidden the fact that their children are adopted, which I think is insane. Because they'll find out eventually. But my parents were always very supportive. And my dad thinks it's wonderful. Um, I know my mom would, would have too. I always look at it this way. I tell people, Barrett gave me life and my mom and dad gave me a life. You know, that's, that's how I look at it. And I'm blessed and I'm fortunate. She starts to laugh. It's, I mean, this joyful, this joyful laughter. And then, let me tell you, this goes back to what I said earlier. After all those other feel-out questions, and she's trying to figure out who this guy at 9.30 at night is calling me from America, right? The first thing she said to me after the reveal was, have you had a good life? I learned later that I have two half-sisters. One of the girls this year had talked to, that's a whole other story, but I talked to her mother about it and, and asked um, if she ever thought about it, you know, over the years. And she, and she said, yeah, I mean, not, not in, all the time. That's something that weighed her down, but it was a weight lifted. And, and it was so cool when we were talking and just, you know, I told her about my life, my family, and, and, I, thanked, and I thanked her. I just, one of the first things I did was thanked her for what, she's, what she gave me and the wonderful life that I had here in the Illinois Valley in the South Peru and, 
her friends and family and, you know, all of it. She told me, though, she said, Eric, I got to tell you something. It's okay. And she said, I want you to know that. So she went back to Sweden in 1965. She stayed here for about a year and a half. They lived with the Ellis's as their nanny. When she went back to Sweden, she never told a soul about me. Not even the gentleman had gotten her pregnant. My biological father, she never told him, never said a word about it. And then she got married to someone else, and she had two daughters. Back then, like, her mother was still alive. So she carried this secret for over 50 years. And I said, okay, I understand, and if that's what you want, I completely appreciate it. And I completely understand. She said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, that's it. No more secrets. And, and she told her youngest of the two girls the next day, and the two of them called me on a video call to Messenger. Just keep in mind, my first call was to a regular, you know, cell call to her line in Sweden. So I get this video call popping up, and I'm fumbling my phone how to answer it. And this, this, you know, this 49-year-old Swedish woman pops up on my screen, and she's like, oh, my gosh. She goes, I have a brother in the United States. And that was Isabel. And, and since then, I mean, she, she was excited. She was astonished. She was shocked. She couldn't believe that her mother had kept this secret for so long. And since then, it's been getting to know one another, getting to know each other, all of us from, from across the pond. We had made plans in 2020 that summer to go to Sweden. Of course, we all know what came about in 2020. In fact, we've made three, three plans, three different occasions to try to get over there. And either Sweden hadn't opened their borders yet or, or what have you. But finally here this, this summer, our fourth shot, we got there. He went over there in June this 22. I look, I look at things, try to look at things positively, and certainly her wife is great about that. And she even pointed out, she was there, it's given us two years, two and a half years, to get to know each other through, through video calls and just texting. And I mean, there have been times when I pop the call up on my, on my phone as I'm driving the car, and I'll talk to Isabel, depending on where I'm going, you know, for an hour, an hour or more, just it's like having somebody sitting there in the car and just talking away. And we've, we've had 50 years of our lives to, to catch up on and talk about our upbringings and our childhoods and, and all those things that you want to learn about somebody, right? Um, so by the time we got there, we certainly weren't strangers anymore. And even with my mother, with Barrett, I, it was like seeing somebody that I've known for a long time. And people have wanted to know, so since... Maybe, maybe you got some questions. I don't know. I'm not doing all the talking here. Hey, it's but. your story. I'm letting you tell it. If I, I got a couple questions, but, hey, you've been doing a great job with the play-by-play. -play. I don't know any of the play-by-play, so I'm just listening. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, I told that story you know, right when it happened. At the time. So I remember around Christmas time. It was right before Christmas in 2019. And I was talking to some guys. I met guys in, in a bar cry. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's touching, and, it, and, it, and, it, and you probably caught, even to this day when I talk about it, it, it it's, um, it's changed my life, there's no doubt about it, in such a positive manner. It made me feel so good, because I know when she said that, and when she said, when she asked that question, have you had a good life? I knew it in my heart that that's, I'm sure any woman who's giving children up wonder, you know, and to me, that was a gift, that was a big to give her back, to tell her, and to say thank you. So, I've had people ask me, so what was it like, you know, when you got 
finally got to see each other for the first time. And, you know, this big reveal, right? And it's, it's like you would picture in a, in a movie or something or, or a Hallmark made for television. We're coming off the plane and they're waiting there at the gate, you know, and, and, and so <laughs> here's how it goes. We get, so we find, they live in southern Sweden and the closest, the nearest airport is over Copenhagen uh, in Denmark. We're at the airport. Okay, my mind's spinning, right? I'm getting off the plane and this is one moment from this. This is going to happen. Forget that we all this talking. Forget all the, the video calls and all. That doesn't replace the human contact, right? That, that a hug, that touch. Uh, uh. And so here it is the first time, and she's going to see me for the first time in 15 years. We get to customs and we're going down to the baggage check. Chris, and Christian was on the trip with us. Christian and Michelle and I went, I got to stop. Just the rest of to go in the restrooms. I have my backpack, I set my backpack down, do my business, and I, I had my cell phone on me, because in my hand, I just, there's a ledge, I sit on the ledge, and I, I grab my backpack and I leave the bathroom, and I get down the, the stairway, and you know how airports are, it's a one-way street in an airport, right? You go past to one point, and there is no, there's no going back to the previous point. I get to the bathroom, I'm like, oh crap, I left my cell phone in the bathroom. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> you know, I gotta get this cell phone. I told Christian and Michelle, I said, you guys get the bench. I'm not sure, right? You know, you ask somebody, oh yeah, go to the information desk over there. Here's so how they help you. Okay, you got a phone. And I didn't know that this, where they're directing me is actually the exit to where everybody's waiting for, right? And I come walking through the, the thing, and I see, I see Isabel and, and, and Barrett. They're, they got Swedish and American flags, and they're waving them, and they're going, oh, you guys, oh, no. Oh, that's fantastic. At least you got it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So, all right, before we go any further, I mean, I'm going to ask you like one or two questions. I'm going to let you go. Yeah. But uh, you went through your whole awesome story in about 32 and a half minutes, and you're excited to tell it, which I love. It's been awesome listening to the story. But uh, some of the names and relations go by really fast. So, let's. Yeah. Uh, what is the name of your biological mom? I know you've said it two or three times, but just so everybody's clear. Yeah, so her name is Barrett. It's her first name. B-E-R-I-T is how you spell it. It was, it was Savannah Simmons when she, she was saying her maiden name. Like her Adrelia since her married name. And then I have a half-sister, Suzanne. They didn't talk too much about her today, but that's a whole other story. But Suzanne's great. She, she's a couple years younger than me, and then Isabel's now... 52. So Suzanne, I think, is 56, 57, uh, and Isabel, 52. And they're just great. Um, everybody, I tell you, Isabel has a son who's 16, Adam, and Suzanne has twin boy and girl, and they're actually uh, Christian's age. So that was really cool for him to meet his cousins, meet his aunts, meet his grandmother. Yeah, everybody over there was so welcoming, so inviting. Like here, love to hear the story. And just were shocked, you know, the amazed of people that have known, known her for all these years. It was beyond my expectations. That's a beautiful country. We got to do a lot of things there. We were there for three weeks. They're coming here this summer, actually. Gotcha. And then a couple of names just for listeners that don't know. So Jens and Christian are your sons, and then Michelle is your wife? Michelle's my wife, yeah. Okay. I, I know I do that with stories, and, you know, as the uh, podcast, so it's like, hold on, we got to know who everybody is. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. For sure, for sure. It's a beautiful part of telling stories. You just get lost in the story, and you have one of those stories that are like, oh, my gosh, like, this, these things happen. And it's not just like, hey, um, I looked up that I had, you know, my mom yeah. is alive, she's yeah. over here, and I went and seen her, and it was cool. No, there's so many different parts to it and levels, and, you know, you lost your phone, and all these other yeah. things that go on. It's just like, man, this is a almost like a movie-like story. There's even more, and we don't have time to get into it today, but I can tell you just briefly that the oldest of the two girls, Suzanne, her and Barrett, had, you know, like a lot of families, one thing I've learned, that, I'll tell this for folks out there that struggle with maybe having family issues or whatever, it, it's all over the world. People have issues of the same all over the world, and for the longest time they hadn't spoken. And one of the things over the last couple of years is, in, in my discussions with them both, it's like trying to figure out how can we make this, how can we end this little standoff, if you will, if you want to call it. I got actually two extra days to stay. The pilots, the, the Scandinavian airline pilots went on strike that they were supposed to leave. So we had to find a different way home. It took us two days. And that's a whole story. But in those two days, I had more time with my mother and with Suzanne individually and together. It was interesting while we were over there with the conversations that we had had about, you know, kind of rending ties and. And you know what? While I was there, and Suzanne's birthday is July 5th, I encouraged my mother to give Suzanne a call on her birthday. And she did. And it was the first time in 10 years that they'd spoken. Of all the things that I went and experienced over there, that was the most gratifying and emotional thing because it's something I prayed about for a long time. It was really cool. And then, and then they actually, after I left some gotten together. I don't know what will happen from that, but you know what? Uh, life's too short to, to carry hard feelings, especially in families. So 
it was really cool. And I hope that something, you know, even if it's just, I don't know what'll come of it, but it, it went because Isabel told me, my other sister said, it'll never happen. It, you don't understand how deep this goes. And, and, and I'm not going to get too, too preachy, but I said, you know what? Never's a long time in my mind. Uh, yeah, you, no just, you just never know. No doubt. And the reason that I can relate to your story, I've never met my father. I've reached out, like tried to do research a couple times, and then I just quit. So when you tell me this story, I'm like, man, should I do that or should I just, you know, (laughs) I I don't know. But I know I got sisters. I've never met any of them. I don't know names. I don't know anything. So when you were telling me this story, I'm like, oh, wow, this is crazy. And you're, you know, you're older. So to go out and reach out in, you know, your your 50s and, you know, find that other part of your life that you didn't know for 50 years, like, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned father, because here's the thing that happened with that, too. You know, Barrett remembers who he was, and they told me in December, a month later, I was doing a video call with Suzanne and with Isabel, and, and even Michelle, they were all trying to encourage They thought I should reach out to him. My, my biological father's name is... Um, Bjorn Jernberg. I'm like, yeah, you know, let's just let this dust settle, let their kind of ease into. And like, look, what if you're the only child he ever had and he never knew? Uh, and I said, okay, fine. You guys want it? I go, then we'll, let's call him and let him know. So Suzanne actually made the call. She called him. She she, she was able to find his phone number. She called him, told him that of course, like any any guy probably would. Hey, me, they said, no, I don't. You know, (laughs) and and he's 80, I think at the time, 83 years old. So someone's calling and telling you, you got a son in the United States. But after she talked and told the story, it's kind of, okay, you know, my mother, you know, you remember, you knew Barrett. Yep, 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 okay. And he agreed to talk to me. So the next day, I spoke with him once on the phone. And And he was really... I appreciated what I was trying to do. He wasn't looking to kind of, you know, kindle any relationship. I respect. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, and hard feelings about that. But um, he, he, he was good, and he, we, jo- we joked a little on the phone, and, and that was nice. Um, I found out I have, uh, he has three other children, a daughter who would be older than me, a son who's a year and a day younger than me, and another son as well. He lives in the city of Malmo in Sweden, which is one of the bigger, larger cities. I think it's the second largest but he wasn't there. We spoke to a neighbor who had told us that he had a stroke of the knee. was in the hospital for some complications. And then I did find out through one of my half-brothers, his other sons, uh, that he had passed away back in, in September. You know, it was cool that I at least got a chance to, to speak with him at least once. As far as the other siblings on his side, I have only had a very limited, a couple, one or two back and forth on, on Facebook Messenger, and that has been it. Uh, I explained who I was, blah, blah, blah. There's not much reciprocation there. I'm really, really, really blessed with the relationships with, with the two sisters that I have and to be able to meet my biological mother and, and, and the relationship that I've, that I've built with her. It's just, like I think I said earlier, it's, it's just enhanced my life, you know? For sure. That's been a roller coaster, that's for sure. Yeah, I would encourage, if people want to do this, you know, kind of a little PSA, I had a friend, actually, earlier this year, she has an adopted daughter, a friend I grew up with here in Portland, and her daughter met her biological parents both from this year, and, and we both have been kind of following one another's stories um, throughout the year, from a different perspective, obviously, she coming from the perspective of the parent, my perspective of the child, just keep an open mind, and really 
going to be, it's going to be. But it just happened organically. But you'd be surprised. I've heard more positive stories. But I've also heard some stories that people get disappointed. And it's that rejection, you know. It's, and, and that's tough. That can be really tough. Whether it's from the parent or whether it's from the other siblings, you know. I've heard both sides. Mine is pretty sensational, if you will, kind of story. And very unique, I believe. But um, I still say it's worth it. You know, if you're thinking about it, man. Hey, at least then you know, right? And you, and you put it to bed. And then if it's great, then you can and you kindle a relationship from it. Awesome. And if you don't, well, you know, no regrets. You, you just walk away. I have no, you, you got your answer, and there it is. And you move on with life. I want to tell you one funny story kind of about this, and then I will let you yeah. go. So me not knowing my father but knowing that he had three daughters i did find out his last name i don't i don't really know any first names or anything like that but his last name is cook spelled k-o-c-h so anytime that i was in the wisconsin minnesota area because that's where i'm from so anytime i was in that area with either cousins you know out and about and you know start talking to a female by any means it didn't even matter if we were just talking about you know what's on a tv at a bar or whatever i would ask them their last name or id them i actually said hey can i see your id so i could see your last name because i did not want to do anything crazy with a sister yeah yeah well you know i I, I know where you're at suzanne's got the the kids the twins that are christian's age lisa my my niece and she and i talk a lot as well and her brother um john or ewan as they pronounce it um he's a great kid but lisa's a a beautiful young lady if you had a christian we go now remember that's your cousin. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Christian, Christian didn't stay the whole three weeks. He came back, was hoping that plans, he had different, you know, plans had shifted since then, but I think he, he does say, man, I should have stayed down the whole time. But, hey, 10 days was good, and he got to meet his grandmother's aunts and his cousins. That's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, that's priceless. And he, he even got to celebrate his birthday on the, on the biggest summer holiday in Sweden. They call it Midsummer. And it, it fell on his birthday. And we were at some, some friends of my sister's, and they had, you know, just a beautiful home and welcoming and a, a bunch of folks. We played traditional Swedish games and traditional Swedish foods. And it was a holiday affair. We were there from noon until midnight. And so, yeah, it was fun. It couldn't have been any better. It blew my mind away how inviting and how warm and how welcoming everybody was and treated us like they've known us as long as they've known my, my family over there, you know. That's fantastic. I'm happy that you, Christian, Michelle, everybody got to experience that. And, you know, your family over there. I mean, not know. I mean, your mom obviously knew, but she didn't tell anybody. Nobody knew. And then all of a sudden your sister's like, we got a brother? Like, and I can't imagine that in, like, your 50s and 60s and things like that. I mean, so much of life has, you know, went by and not even knowing that these people exist. Right. I know. I look forward to seeing them again. Um, they're, like I mentioned, they're going to be here this summer. They're coming in July and staying for three weeks themselves. And then it's just changed my whole perspective on what I want to do after I retire. Um, I'd like to spend more time over there, extended time, 
one or two months, two months at a time. And just, it just, it's, it's changed my whole perspective and my whole focus of what I want to do when I'm ready to hang up my, my job. If I'm blessed to, to have the opportunities to do that, I, I hope that I can, you know, and I want to. Well, thank you for sharing your story with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Man, that was a heck of a story, and I like that you just kept going. Like, if you would have stopped, I'm like, I got to ask a question in this? Like, I, I liked that you just went play-by-play play and told us the whole story. That was super cool. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, like I said, I, um, you know, if anybody ever reaches out to you and wants to be able to contact me, if they're thinking about trying to find a family member or something like that, I'd be happy to talk to someone and just... You know, be, be supportive. It's a daunting group. <laughs> it's a really, you know, it can be. And I've read a lot of stories. There's a cradle Facebook group. You know, I've heard good and bad about people's adoptions, why they want to seek or find who their families are. It's, it's a very personal thing. And it's different for everybody. For sure. Well, I'm going to let you go. We have been speaking for almost an hour. This has been a great hour chat, though. I really appreciate you telling the story and sharing everything, you know, emotionally wise, everything that you went through, you know, meeting your family the you haven't known ever. So thank you very much for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.